Continue now in Luke's account, jumping ahead to the events of Easter morning in Luke chapter 23. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandments. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now is Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. He is not here, but has risen. This is the glorious truth that we celebrate today on Easter Sunday, an empty tomb and a living Jesus risen from the dead. This is the most important truth in all of the world, throughout all of history, as the Apostle Paul emphasizes to us in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. First, importance. The question of what is of first importance is, I think, a very interesting topic in this age of coronavirus. Many things may feel to you this morning as if they are of first importance. Social distancing might feel like it's of first importance. Staying safely at home might feel like first importance. 
Getting back to work and getting back to school might feel like first importance. Financial help and economic relief might feel like first importance. Flattening the curve might feel like first importance. Personal protective equipment might feel like first importance. Toilet paper might feel like first importance. And for many of us, getting back to normal might feel like first importance. And I agree, all of these things are important. But what is of first importance has not changed. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Let me briefly unpack these three truths that are of first importance today and every day. First, Christ died for our sins. That might sound very strange to you on many levels, but it is a critical truth. You see, there is a disease that infects us all, and it is not coronavirus. Romans 3.23 explains, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, we were each lovingly made in the image of God. We were made to be perfect. But we all fall short of who we would like to be, and even more profoundly, who God made us to be. We may try very hard to be good people, but the truth is that from birth, we are manipulative, self-centered, vindictive, selfish, defensive, and worse. And I don't say this to offend you, but to encourage you to be honest with yourself. These are true statements about me, and I know they are true about you if you are honest with yourself. Again, let's be honest this morning in the privacy of our homes in this nearly empty building. Nobody ever taught us as children to lie, hit, snatch, whine, or manipulate to get our way. We figured that out all on our own. We didn't need help. And while we certainly grow, we change, we hopefully mature, we are never, ever perfect. We still sometimes make decisions that are hurtful, wrong, immoral, unethical, or illegal, humiliating or foolish, petty or cruel. And all of these things are what the Bible means by the word sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. We have sinned. We do sin. We will sin. This isn't how God made us to be, nor how he wants us to be, but it is reality and we need to deal with it. But the problem is, we can't deal with it. How do imperfect people straighten things out with a perfect God? We don't. We cannot get ourselves back to perfection. We cannot fix our sins. We might try to manage them, but we can't completely fix them. And the inevitable results of our efforts to manage our sins will eventually include deception, discouragement, or despair. 
As the Apostle John noted in 1 John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. However, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died to deal with our sins. The sins we can't deal with ourselves, He died to deal with. To pay the penalty for our sins that we deserve to pay, which is death. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Christ's death on the cross was not a surprising or unfortunate turn of events that first Easter week. As Paul says, the ancient scriptures had long said it would happen. Jesus knew the cross waited for him that week. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose from the dead. These are verifiable facts. This is what the Scripture is making clear as Paul runs through all the people who encountered the risen Jesus Christ. First, there is this group of at least five women who find the tomb empty, the same tomb that they had recently seen Jesus laid to rest in with their own eyes. And they spoke with the angel who told him that Jesus was alive. And then Peter verified the empty tomb. And then the physically resurrected Jesus appeared to Peter and then to the apostles and then to hundreds of disciples, to his brother James, and finally to Paul himself. Paul is listing hundreds of people who could have refuted the claims of the resurrection, the claims we celebrate today on Easter Sunday. And the point is they did not refute them because these things are true. He is risen indeed. Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ was raised on the third day. The resurrection of Jesus is true, and so the faith of those Christians that Paul was writing to in ancient Corinth was true, and so the faith of all Christians everywhere today is true. And Peter explains the significance of this in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. In a time of sickness and suffering and death, as we are living in now, this is what's actually of first importance. He is not here, but has risen. Now, what do we do with this good news that is of first importance during a time of unusually bad news, right? What do we do? What should we do as millions are newly unemployed and 2,000 Americans a day are dying? The answer is found in the first two verses of this passage in 1 Corinthians 15. We must receive stand on and hold firmly to this gospel good news no matter what. First, we must receive and stand in this simple message of good news that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This good news must be received and believed in order to have impact in our lives. It must be clear. I want to be very clear this morning that to receive the gospel message isn't simply about hearing it. To receive the gospel message means to believe it for yourself. 
You must receive and believe this good news, personally hearing it and accepting the truth we proclaim that Christ the Lord is risen today. Romans 10.9 makes clear, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, it's not enough to hear the good news and find it interesting this morning. If that's all you've got, you're still stuck in your sins. You must believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead that first Easter Sunday. You must celebrate this truth and you must Embrace him as your Lord. John 3.16 is much beloved, but it holds no blessing for those who don't believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Belief is where true, lasting, eternal life begins. Going back to verse 1 now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. We must receive and believe this good news about Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, crucified, dead, buried, and raised from the dead. John explains, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. This is why this message is of first importance even in our world of coronavirus, especially in our world of coronavirus. Because without receiving this good news, we are under God's wrath because of our sins. But when we receive and believe, we have eternal life in Christ Jesus who rose from the dead that Easter Sunday. And let me urge you that if you have never truly believed before, if you have never believed that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose from the dead that Easter Sunday, if you have never embraced him as Lord Savior, then you've got a problem far worse than COVID-19. Because while COVID-19 might get you, I guarantee sin already has you. And the only cure for sin is to commit your life to following Jesus Christ. Receive and believe this good news this morning. I beg you, and if you have questions or you want to know how, text that number that Phil is putting in the comments. Hit us up in the chat on Facebook or YouTube. Reach out to us. But I must also say that as we look at this passage, we see there is far more to Christian life than just our initial receipt and belief. That is critical. That makes all the difference between eternal life and separation from God. But recognize that Paul describes the gospel in which we stand. That describes our ongoing life, our ongoing relationship to the gospel and to God through Jesus Christ. And my friends, this is what we need to be doing right now during this dark hour. Standing in this good news in the face of all the bad news. Please don't stand on government experts, smart as they are. Don't stand on news talking heads or political pundits. Don't stand on scientists or stimulus or savings. In recent weeks, we have clearly seen that the structures of this world are inadequate 
to confront even a comparatively minor plague like COVID-19, which is but a shadow of the horror that the world has experienced in the past. The systems and structures of mankind, no matter how impressive they may appear during good times, will all ultimately falter and fail. So do not stand on them. Stand instead on the unchanging, unshakable good news of Jesus Christ. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand and by which you are being saved. Stand on the good news that in Christ, everyone who receives and believes in Jesus will also one day rise from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 to 57, celebrates this truth in which we stand today. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So friends, stand in this good news, that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you too will rise from the dead, just as Jesus did on Easter. This is our celebration today, but know too, stand in the good news That God will use these difficult times to improve and perfect you. So the good news is not only about our future. It is about our present. God will use these difficult times to improve and perfect you, as James 1, 2 through 4 says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. As awful, painful, boring, maddening, frightening, and dangerous as the coronavirus situation is, stand firm in this gospel good news that not only will you rise from the dead one day, but God is going to use these times, these very times, these very weeks, of trial to shape you and perfect you in Christ right here, right now. And Paul continues on. Not only must we stand in the gospel, we must hold firmly to this gospel good news no matter what. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, If you hold fast to the word I preach to you. Friends, we must hold on no matter what happens. Many forces will work to distract and discourage us, and that is always true, but certainly very true now. We face this relentless drumbeat of bad news. 
And many of you are genuinely experiencing personal suffering, whether it is in the form of loneliness, of isolation and self-quarantine, or financial hardship, or job loss, or personal illness, or the loss of loved ones to this disease. These forces seek to pry you away from the gospel, from your only true and firm foundation. And that is why Paul tells us to hold tight, to hold fast to the gospel. The events swirling around us and that sense of feeling trapped and overwhelmed by our circumstances is trying to get us to to look down in despair, to look around in, in disgust and fear, to look inward in depression, rather than looking up to our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So, friends, hold fast to the gospel good news. Hold fast in the knowledge that God is perfecting you now and will raise you later. Know that God is with you now and that He hears your honest cries of sorrow, loneliness, and pain. This is a a crucial part of the good news in which we stand and to which we hold fast, right? Not only our forever future, not only our forgiveness, but God's presence with us now. God hears your prayers now and always because Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus has risen. In Christ, we have a Savior who lived among us, walked among us, suffered among us, died among us, and rose victorious over it all. Because He did, His Spirit lives within all who believe in Him, and our risen Savior is always with us. And because He is, we have direct access to the God of the universe through prayer. This is what the writer of Hebrews celebrates in chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. My friends, hold firm to the good news of Christ's resurrection this morning. Hold firm to the good news of Christ's resurrection throughout the difficult days and weeks ahead because through the risen Christ, our prayers are heard. Through Him, God's infinite grace and mercy pours out over us in our time of need. And boy, do we need right now. In our need, we know that God is with us, and He will provide the help we require in our darkest hours. So hold fast to this gospel good news every day, for it is truly of first importance. Hold firmly to the gospel no matter what difficulties this pandemic might throw at you. Hold tightly to this good news despite the difficulties, doubts, and pains of the present and the uncertainties of the future. Hold fast 
taking your fears, anxieties, doubts, and suffering to the Lord in prayer and receive His comfort. As Paul wrote the Philippian Christians, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Seek God in prayer through the risen Christ and receive His peace and comfort. Know that God comforts us when we hold fast to this good news. And that He redeems our present difficulties and suffering by preparing us to comfort others in need. As 2 Corinthians 1 begins, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Friends, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. Hallelujah. This is still of first importance during this painful moment for our world. This is what's of first importance every moment. Not health, not wealth, not government, not politics, not science, not medicine. This good news. That in the risen Christ, we too will rise from death. That in the risen Christ, God redeems our present difficulties and suffering, improving us and, and equipping us, comforting us to comfort others. In the risen Christ, we have a Savior who has suffered and understands our suffering and who suffers with us and will never, ever leave us in our suffering. That is the risen Christ. Hold fast to this good news that in the risen Christ, God is with us and hears our every cry and prayer now and forevermore. This is of first importance. Please pray with me. Father God, we praise you for this glorious celebration. We praise you for the incredible resurrection of your son Jesus, just as your scripture foretold. We praise you that in the risen Christ, we have hope amidst darkness and despair. Lord God, we praise you that by faith we are saved out of our sins, out of our separation from God, out of our condemnation we so well deserve. We are made new. Our future set confidently in the gospel. And so, Lord, I pray that you will help us to be people of this Easter good news, that we will embrace this truth, hold fast to it of first importance, Lord. That in the dark hours, dark days, dark weeks, Lord, that we never lose sight of this reality that Christ died for our sins, Christ was buried, and Christ was raised in accordance with Scripture. Lord God, that you are with us in these dark times because of the risen Christ. That you hear our every cry of our hearts. Lord God, we give thanks and praise for this awesome gift of Easter, this gift of grace this gift of the gospel that you have given us, Lord. Help us to stand in this and hold firm. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.